Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their film viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? This is the first of three Halloween specials of a sort, and I'm Sam Blakely, and as always I'm joined by Hugh Dipsy! Dipsy! How are you? <laughs> All right, so why is it of a sort? <laughs> they are the Halloween specials. Ah, oh, they are. Yeah, fair enough. You do, you do. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. Let's go back when you do the edit. Edit out the bit where I said of a sort and this no. part. <laughs> How have you been anyway, <laughs> this buddy? This wouldn't make sense. Uh, yeah, good, good. Thank you. Um, yes, <laughs> Tr- tried to buy some shirts off the internet and. <laughs> Turns out they were too small for me, and I'm very annoyed now because I only have like one work shirt. Well, there goes the internet then. A, yeah, it's a big heavy <laughs> cotton shirt that basically I'm like, I look like I'm trying to, you know, like those people when they're trying to lose weight, like boxers are trying to lose weight before a fight, and they put on like loads of layers and they might like put like cellophane. I turn up to the office like sweating bullets because I've got this cotton shirt on. Oh, it's awful. The thing, yeah, it's, yeah, I won't want to sit next to me. Thank God for social distancing. <laughs> Do you know what you need? Asda, two for £12. Decent. <laughs> I need to lose weight, is what I need to do. <laughs> well, there is that. The cardiovascular uh, benefits, yeah, would have been would have been superb. Uh, have you watched any films other than the baba baba ba duck 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 this week, Hugh? Oh, gosh. I'm sure I did, and I can't remember now. Well, I'm glad we had mind that trouble. <laughs> well, God, so much banter. So much banter. <laughs> I finished Squid Game. If that helps anyone, I'm just not. In, I'm just not interested in it. I don't know why. I, you think I'd watch this kind of thing, but it just looks like battle royale or Hunger Games. It's good. I mean, it's good. It's you know, it does have those elements. But it, it what is good it about is it? Good. It's uh, what is good about it. I mean, it's quite twisty and turny. Uh, obviously, giving nothing away. Just in terms of there's six games that they have to play and they catch out, and it's quite smart and it gets into the layers of things. There's all those tropes there's all those battle royale hunger game kind of tropes in there um but it's yeah it's genuinely enjoyable it's it's weird how mad the world has gone for it um but it is well worth it it's not they're they're less than an hour they're about an hour like 50 minutes to an hour most episodes mm-hmm. um and it doesn't go on forever i think it's nine episodes or so maybe ten um so it, i think it's well worth watching it's, it also keeps you hooked from one episode to the next and, I was, yeah. I was asking, I was talking to a friend who had seen it, and I think I just don't, I don't think I buy the premise. I just don't think people would go on telly or whatever to, to take part in this game and just get let themselves be murdered. It's set <laughs> up really well. They're very desperate people, um, and it's set Even up very that, well. You, I mean, it doesn't matter how desperate you are; you'd, you'd never get past the senses. I, I asked him, I was like, "Oh, is it set in like a, like a dystopian future?" So that kind of excuses sometimes these things he was like no it's just it's set in South Korea which if you watch any film about from South Korea that's made it big over here um, describes you know this sort of hellhole of inequality and so I mean I I can't think of a single (laughs) Korean thing I've seen that isn't about class inequality essentially Uh, you know from Bong Joon-ho stuff to Battle Royale and um, you know Battle Royale is Japanese it's Korean isn't it no, it's Japanese. Oh, fair enough. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, racist. It's, I am. That is. <laughs> let's call it what it was. Yeah, it was. That was racism. That. Um, yeah, and it, and it just it covers it really well. What's that, Sam? They all look alike. <laughs> oh, you're telling Greeks. Uh, I also, um, in speaking of the internet going crazy about things, uh, did you see the Robin Williams screen test audition of that fighter fella? What's his name? No, Jamie I, I clicked on it and I saw those still of it. The guy who kind of looks like Robin Williams. Yeah. Is it for a film or something? Jamie Costa. It was a, a screen test, I think, with people saying that it should lead to a biopic. Uh, as fans calling out for a biopic. It's worth watching because it's not even so much about the vocal impression as he just nails every little, every little micro gesture where... If somebody asked you to describe how Robin Williams talks and reacts to bad news and so on, it would be hard to nail it, but you watch this and you go, oh, I didn't realise I knew so much about how Robin Williams reacts, and he just nails nails some very specific parts would of the film. Would a forms. biopic film about Robin Williams be interesting? Because I know he's an interesting person, he was very funny, but is there enough Is there stuff we don't know enough or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably, because he's obviously dealt with addiction and depression and uh, and all that whilst also being one of the most famous people in the world uh, I'd, I'd watch it anyway it's very good uh, it's very good so that's what the internet's gone mad about this week 
Yeah, fair I'd enough. Recommend fair it. Enough. Good, for, good, good for the internet. Good for the internet. So, yeah. Sam, we're here to internet. talk about uh, some. Hol- we're starting our Halloween spooktacular. Halloween hullabaloo. Oh. Yeah, we're yeah. going to kick it off with uh, 2014's Australian pick, uh, not New Zealand, as we said last week, but we did say it's Antipodean, so kind of covered ourselves as well. Um, the Babadook. 2014. Now, Hugh, uh, I've just kicked the chair there. Apologies if you heard that on the audio. Um, what did you know about the Babadook? Well, they're aware of it now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what did you know about the Babadook, duck, duck, before? Um, I didn't know too much about it. I knew it was like Antipodean, as you said. Um, I, I remember I listened, when I used to listen to a lot more a Kermode and Mayo um, film review show I used I think I listened to the review of it on there but I don't remember it if I'm being honest I just remember Mark Kermode always mentioned it quite a lot for like six months um, in like their witty way yeah he loved it it was his film of the year for 2014 was it yeah he absolutely loved it and but that's that's everything I know about it so plot wise just nothing it was just more the hype of it I mean I must have known more about it say six seven years ago but I've you know, I've slept since Yeah, then. quite a few times, hopefully. Um, well, I'll give a little synopsis. It is a, a, a sort of possession home, in, uh, home, not invasion, what's the word? A kind of haunting kind of film. Um, it's singles around a single mother, Amelia, and her very troublesome six-year-old son, Samuel. Uh, her husband died on the way to the maternity ward where Samuel was born, and so that looms large in their life. One day, Samuel, who's going through all kinds of behavioural and psychological problems and anxieties about monsters, finds a book called The Babadook, or Mr. Babadook, I should say, uh, that talks of a creepy, eerie, dark figure called The Babadook. And essentially, having read it, it uh, pops up a lot and um, scares the family quite a lot. So it's a sort of sleepless nights family drama uh, about this, this eerie figure that's sort of haunting them. Uh, and yeah, we'll get into the rest of it, I suppose, with the with the remainder of this here episode. Uh, Hugh, yeah, we are. On, we do have spoilers. Yeah, we are spoiler uh, for all these films. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, so some. What do you like about this film? I guess I I, I love this film uh, actually, and and it's if you look at any review anywhere for the Babadook, you'll find the same things said, and I'll echo one or two of those, and then I'll try and get I'll try and bring in something slightly unique. One of the main reasons why people love this is because it was the kind of opposite of that cattle prod cinema um, that has been famous for a long time, but I think in the kind of early to mid-2010s was really reaching saturation point, and that is, you know, it's very, very quiet. A character's walking through a house very, very quietly. They look behind them. Oh, there's nothing there. They look ahead of them. Oh, there's nothing there. They look behind them again, and there's something there. Ah! And uh, oh, what's it? It's got a particular name, hasn't it? It's, uh, cattle prod cinema is what our friend Kermode calls it. I don't know if there's another. Is it? Oh it. no, there's a name. For, there's an actual name for that. Quiet, quiet bang. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like quiet, quiet bang, but it's obviously it's the jump scare as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And and this was sort of anti that. It's um, I've heard it described as an art horror rather than just a horror film um, and so that's that's what's great about it and I think it's a it's a psychological film rather than a oh, wouldn't it be terrible if you were haunted uh, sort of film and I really don't like a lot of horror films neither of us are horror aficionados and it's because I think so much of it is is those tropes I think what I really love about this is um similar to something I said about a film we watched recently which was it's got themes for days or it's at least symbolism for days because I don't know if this is one of those where this is what I read into it and then it's so obvious or this is just what everybody reads into it which is that I don't think the Babadook is real or at least that this film is about oh this look at this scary thing it's clearly a manifestation of psychological trauma and what's fascinating is the things you can read into it so I used to show this film to my students and for for any uh, new listeners I teach psychology at A level because I think it's a pretty good representation of schizophrenia 
and covers so much. It's almost like um, Jennifer Kent, who uh, wrote and directed the film. It's almost like she opened up an A-level psychology textbook about schizophrenia and went, "Okay, I'm going to include all this." <laughs> it, so, sorry, can I just? Who, who would you say is schizophrenic then? The, Amelia the, the mother and the her child. son. So, oh, they both. So, like one of the pages in the textbook is biological explanations, and that's genetics. So it's kind of like, you know, she's got it, so he's going to get it. She even says, you know, this is. Uh, you'll see this when you're bigger. Basically, you'll go down and see this in the basement. Uh, the symptoms in terms of hallucinations are very stark. In particular, when she's seen the bugs coming out of the wallpaper, that's quite a common schizophrenic hallucination to see things moving and to interpret that as, as being bugs. Um, right, there's right. so many little things. There's one little uh, moment as well which is really telling, which is one of the theories as to how people develop schizophrenia is if they have uh, what's called the double bind from their parents, which is that they have uh, contrasting uh, things that they say to them and how they behave so she is hugging him and he hugs her really tightly and she tells him to get off but then she says that she loves him so it's this like he can't believe he doesn't know what reality is because she's giving him these feelings of love and this rejection as well and very cold so yeah I, I mean we'll get into it when I do my bit but I, I, I want to get back back to that one yeah because yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's part of that scene because yeah, there was some confusion. So yeah, and it's hopefully you'll be able to. And it's just like it's lots all the, it all the way down to the to the the treatment of it. And I think probably it's psychological trauma and grief that it's working out. But it just so happens that it's so well done that you can read into it whatever you bring to it. So, last example on that, um, they're not cured of the Babadook. They just manage it. So every day she has to go down to the basement and deal with it. And some days it's better than other days. You can see that as depression. Some days it's better than other days. You can see it as bipolar disorder. You can see it just about anything, but also grief, because obviously that is a central part of the film, is that they are in grief. Um, another thing I love about it is that it's a really fucking annoying kid. <laughs> and I don't know, I can't see anywhere if they were just like, they chose the most annoying kid on the planet, or he's a really good actor. <laughs> What is important to know? So is what that, you're saying is on. kids are fucking annoying. this one in particular as well. I mean, what it really so as a working parent with a fucking annoying cat, uh, I I can sympathise to my own small degree with her situation. I don't know. I don't know how much harder it can be being a single parent with a child with such behavioural difficulties. But children find and a, dog. a way. Yeah, and a, yeah, children find a way of knowing when you're comfortable. And then shouting for you, you know. And so my, my daughter's not been very well this last few weeks. And it has been a case of long day, put her to bed, just just finish dinner, okay, sit down, just comfortable. I've just reclined in the sofa. And then it's daddy, or, you know, I can hear it coming. And there's just this, any, I think any parent, possibly any like older sibling to younger uh, siblings like yourself might, might be able to... Um, Relate to that. And, oh no, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they just they just manage to do it. The sleeplessness, the nightmares, the work stress. She can't even get herself off. You know, she can't even she can't even have a minute to herself to actually have an orgasm uh, before he's like had a nightmare and and she hand, she kind of restrains herself well for long enough until she calls him a little shit and wants him to die and all that sort of stuff. Uh, um, last couple of things then I think. Uh, it looks and sounds so distinctive as well. The, the palette of blues and blacks, you can sort of basically show anybody any frame from this film and they would have a good guess that it was the Babadook. And then the sound design is a fantastic feature. Little subtle things or little moments where, for example, really stressing about the Mr. Babadook book. Um, and there's a sort of, you, don't, you sort of don't even realise there's music or a sound in the background and she puts it on top of the wardrobe and pushes it to the back and there's silence and you go, oh, I sort of didn't even realise I was very tense then. And there's a few that are just like that, you know, and there's really good cutting of the sound when she's looking over at the car with the couple that are getting a bit hot and heavy. The woman makes eye contact with her and then she looks away and again the sound sort of cuts. And I just think it's really well done. And um, on a real budget as well, about $2 million. And they, I think, reveal enough of the Babadook and the effects are great, they're in camera, they're stop motion, uh, and they're not reliant on gore or jump scares. So I just think it's a really wonderful film to show what horror can be, um, and that's why I love it. I mean, I would say there is some jump scares in it. Yeah, it's not without. It's not without. Yeah, it is still within the firmly in the horror genre. Yes, yeah. So, Sam, 
what do you think I might not like about this film? This, I think, in some ways hinges on a few things. So when I was writing my guesses for Hugh's opinions, I've used the word depends quite a lot. And I think there's two depends here. First question for you is, you're not a big horror fan. Why is that? Um, mainly because I think I was... I was talking to you about it off air um, just before we started. Um, so I watched a lot of like cheesy bad horror films. I think in like for about five six years. Um, so I've seen. So I saw all the Scream films. I saw. I think I saw. I know what you did last summer. I saw Halloween. So slasher slasher movie type. Yeah. I saw. Yeah. I saw slashers, but I saw some like I saw The Exorcist. Right. Um, you know, I've seen some of the classics. I've seen The Omen. Um, what else have I seen? A, couple, a dozen. Yeah, I must have watched lots of seventies and nineties kind of kind of things. Yeah, seventies, eighties, nineties, that sort of. Yeah, and then it got into like the early two thousands, and I saw. I think was it Ouija board? I think I saw that as <laughs> friends for a friend's birthday, which wasn't a terrible horror film, but it got to that point where horror just it just was it was just very cheesy and very. You know, like I saw Jeepers Creepers, and I think I saw the second one on DVD or something one afternoon, and I think it just—I was just done with horror yeah. at that point. And then there was like the whole, you know, I saw like the Saw films, I saw a few of them as they came out over the years. But yeah, when it kind of got sort of this horror revival about ten years ago, with something like—is it Wreck? I think oh, it's yeah, called. Yeah. yeah. And Paranormal Activity. Like I've never seen Paranormal Activity. Like um, you know, the quite quite bad <laughs> mentioning. Um, Oh, quite, quite, quite bang, should I say? Yeah, Three and those films are sort of conjuring and Annabelle and those as well. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that people love these films and, you know, like, like, like I wouldn't mind seeing the film like it. I've, I still haven't seen the new version of that mm. um, or the old version, couldn't think of it. Um, so I'm kind of like, I can see why like people love horror films. And obviously we've watched... The, the thing last year, and then was it? Watch the thing. Um, we watched Get Out. Us Midsummer. Yeah, Get Out. Uh, what was in the shadows uh, of horror? <laughs> yeah, and of, of those films, I really, I, I liked some things in Get Out, uh, and some things I won't, uh, you know, wasn't overly keen. But it's a good film. Um, I, I really enjoyed the thing. The thing yeah, was good. Yeah. Um, which is much uh, as a sort of suspense psychological thriller as it is a horror yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's it's a sci-fi horror, isn't yeah, it? Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think it's my suspension of disbelief. I've always struggled with with horror. Mm. Like I can't d- suspend that disbelief long enough to believe that these things happen. So I think that's why the thing works because it's essentially it's like an alien isn't yeah. it? that comes down, yeah, yeah. And takes over. Um, I've had a similar problem with it. I don't often like supernatural horror that rely on a sort of yeah, almost a belief in ghosts stuff. and possessions like, and so on. Like we watched Midsummer, hmm. was it in twenty nineteen? And I, I must admit I really enjoyed that film, but there were still elements of it that I didn't I didn't like. Um like the character with the glasses when he gets murdered mm. and then they just his feet are just sticking up out yeah. of the flower bed but nobody wonders where he's gone they just go oh he must have left yeah. and that's it no one cares and it felt very inauthentic mm. well I mean and this is I think in some ways promising as to what your review of this film will be because I feel like it doesn't conform to a lot of those things however it still I think relies on some sort of appetite for, in some way for, for horror and has a few of those tropes so I think if I'm honest I don't think you'll love this film the other big depends is whether you saw it at face value or appreciated it for its symbolism and um, uh, as really a film about grief rather than a film about this uh, wacky horrific character and I don't know I don't know how you responded to that whether you saw that I don't know if when people watch this they immediately understand that it's obviously a film about grief or trauma or psychological issues or if that's just the conclusion that I came to on my first or second watching and then uh, that I can't, I can't watch it you know I, I only watch it with that in mind basically I only see those themes so I honestly don't know it kind of depends on, on basically if it was different enough from your usual horror dislikes and if you actually saw sorry for what it was and also final thing before we go into the outbreak and then Hugh's opinions uh, it would be um, I watched the CinemaSins video for this and as we know CinemaSins isn't kind of 
honest film criticism. It's just trying to find jokes. Yeah. And a lot of the cinema sins are things like, but wait, why is the, you know, how did they get rid of the Babadook so easily? You know, if it was just as easy as that, why didn't they do that earlier? Or what sort of what sort of ghoul is this? They're killing it so easily and kind of picking holes in it like that, not seeing it as a, an allegory or a symbolism for something. So it kind of depends on how honest, how face value you took it, really. But I'm genuinely intrigued. Like I said, I think I'd be lucky to get a 7 out of 10 uh, from you for this, honestly. But I think you'll probably appreciate that it's not cattle prod cinema but let's find out right well we'll find out after the break we'll go for a short break now join us after the break for Hugh's Views Hello and welcome back. We are ready, tend to hookered as we are for Hugh's Views Hugh, what did you like about the Babadook? Ah, the Babadook Okay. Every, you've got to it's do impossible. it it's got to be done it's impossible not to yeah it's just you've got to get out of your system early so there we go it's out it's, it's out, it's out. Um, and also I've got to get this out of my system as well hello Dave <laughs> yeah. that, that needed to be done yeah. that has to be done yeah, I'm afraid um, Papa, Papa Lazarus uh, influence yeah, that's, that's, that's not the film's fault <laughs> it's just they went with a stylistic choice that very much looks like something out of uh, the, League of Gen- yeah. the League of Gentlemen isn't League it of gentlemen. League of Gentlemen League of Gentlemen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, sadly I had to say hello, Dave. But that's done. I've, I'll do it again <laughs> later. But it's fine for now. It's it's got a, I've got a lid on it. So what I liked about this film, um, so it's well acted. It's the uh, lead actress Essie Davis. Mm. She really goes through the ringer yeah. in this film. Um, you know, you believe she's not her. She gets loud and screamy a few times, but she's never. She, she, you know, it must have been hard to do the acting for this because she does seem like a woman on the edge yeah. for ninety minutes. And interestingly, and as well, when she was relentlessly abusive, she had to just act it to an adult who was kneeling, <laughs> so she didn't scream at yeah. a child on the set. <laughs> yeah, I, I did read the trivia myself mm. on that bit, and it was like she, the the director said. Um, they didn't want to ruin a childhood. <laughs> exactly, kind of like kind of like, totally like Danny from Shining. You know, he didn't know what kind of film he was making. I'd love to know yeah. what was going through his mind in this film. Yeah, there was this. The cute thing was in those trivia bits was she's saying to get some of the reactions. She would say the director says she'd throw his Lego in the, the river or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is quite funny. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that by that part of her. Like her performance was very strong. Uh, like you said, the kids is so annoying. Jesus Christ, he you is, really want him to be yeah. killed by the Babadook on Act One, don't you? Um, and that's a testament to that. I think he was six years old when he made this, yeah. so they got a performance out of that kid, which you know, as we've discovered, is can be difficult. And as you would have um, read, you know, they would they auditioned eight and nine year olds, but they were just a bit too knowing and a bit too kind of aware yeah. that they were supposed to be annoying and it's <laughs> inauthentic. I like how I love the fact that eight and nine year olds are just too too woke. <laughs> you know, it's like they've seen some things, man. Yeah, they're already yeah, they're too smart for it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we were. I, I, this is something I keep coming back to quite a lot recently. Is you know there is there is directorial authorship on this film. There is a style to this film. There is a look to it. You know the the cinematography in this film is excellent. Um, it stood out to me actually when I was watching it. Um, you know the palette is a very. You know, it's it is almost like a an art house kind of movie, isn't it? You know, there's sometimes it overwhelms. I thought, like the scene in the kitchen when they're talking to the when they're at the party and all the women are there talking, and you know, you can see them all dressed in like greys and blacks. And I thought, oh, that's a bit jarring, but ultimately it works well for this film. I suppose one um, of those, if you're not in the moment, it kind of feels like, oh, this is a director making a decision right now, and this they're making a point, and it can be a bit too knowing. Yeah. Yeah, and it, that can be annoying at times. Um, in general, not just with this film, but with any film. Like, you know, you notice these things, and, you know, it, it, I suppose it's, we're always, with horror films especially, we're always testing our limits of credulity and when they do something like that my limit is tested and I notice it and it kind of you're trying to concentrate on what's being said and you get pulled out of the scene and I think that's always a I think it's that fine line isn't it so it's, it's hard to it's hard to walk um, but I think she does a 
stellar job on it, to be honest. Um, you know, I noticed the I noticed the cinematography. I noticed the style of the film. I noticed different camera angles and different uses of cam, like steady cam and shaky cam and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, you've got that bit at the beginning where it's like she's in a dream and she's dreaming about the car accident, and it's like she's just like getting flipped around or something. She's being flipped around or something. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. She's oh, it's all moving the around. Cars the car's being flipped up. Broken glass. Yeah. But I think the car, sta- the camera's staying still or something. You know, that's that's different. You know what I mean? I hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, it's very, effect- very effective, very effective shot, and obviously, possibly sets the, the tone. Of, very yeah, well. sets the tone. It's possibly one of those shots as well where if they had more money, it would be worse because they'd get a real car and they'd do more effects with it. It's probably better yeah. the way they did it. Probably um, an interesting concept. You know, horrors. Because, you know, when they are supernatural horrors like this, they have to rest on their concept. And this is like a children's horror character from a book come to life and is is terrorising them. You know, it's like a poltergeist sort of thing. Sort of thing is not the right word. Uh, pult spirit sort of, you know, p- demonic possession is kind of touched on, I think, a lot in this film. Um Something I was pleasantly surprised by was the fact that everyone survives the film. I think it must be the first horror film I've ever watched when nobody dies. Like when the old lady, um, <laughs> Mrs. Roach, knocked on the door yeah. when she was basically after she'd been stabbed in the leg or just before she was about to get stabbed in the leg or whatever. I can't remember the quite can't remember quite remember the order of sequence there, but she, um, you know, I'm like, well, this woman's dead. Yeah. She she's is horror dead, movie dead, dead. fodder, she's, isn't she? Because she's an old, she is, jittery old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is going to die like a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, for the only you know? dog to die, that is... I think, yeah. and, again, underscores that it's not really about a thing coming in and killing them. It's, it terrorises them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was impressed by that because it's different. Um, now, I'm not always saying different is good, but if you can, you know, so often horror films the tropes get very very familiar very quickly yeah like there's one here um, unfortunately whilst I was watching it I took, I took a phone call because um, somebody rang me that's <laughs> you know, his life and um, it was the bit when she throws the book away mm. and then I said to my friend on the phone I was, and I was being a bit cynical I was like oh this book's going to come back oh, yeah, despite yeah. the fact that it's been destroyed and then literally as, as soon as I press play she opens the door and the book's back on the doorstep yeah and, and I, I, so I was a bit annoyed by that but at the same time I'm like you know it's still a horror film these they, they're there for a reason so I liked it when they subverted the genre yeah it's a um, shame that because it's it's such a good point uh, of the film it's just a shame that we've seen it a thousand times if it was the first time you'd seen that it would make such a vigorous point about uh, how hard it is to to deal with these psychological issues you can't just throw them away and that's it <laughs> you know they keep coming back yeah. it's just you're right it, that is a proper trope that very cliched yeah yeah and so yeah so you're right like obviously the themes of this film are the things that are writ large and for me I mean you said you were talking about someone with schizophrenia um and that's you know completely I can see that and I did think that at times when I was watching it but for me the thing it was dealing with the most was grief and loss basically that was its overarching theme and how like this woman's grief and loss uh, had manifested itself not only obviously in her son but in the absence of her uh, dead husband and how you know the struggles she was going through um and how it basically drove her mad for for a few hours because she just couldn't get any sleep and it's a very yeah. it's, it's, I think a very sort of believable descent into that madness where you kind of feel like if I was in her yeah. position I would equally start to lose my mind yeah so let's I'll move because this connects it's got connective tissue mm. I'll move into what I didn't like mm. so I am a little bit disappointed that the film ultimately was like a, a horror a classic it's a spooky devil scary monster thing like it would have been so much better if it turned out like she was hallucinating and she was also like you know kind of a Tyler Durden situation where she's she's sleepwalking or something and or she's she's like you said she's schizophrenic but she doesn't remember she's doing these things like with the Babadook book like it turned out it was her who made the book and gave it to herself that would be good so she was yeah. like, ultimate, she's ultimately like fighting herself I, I do think that and besides that, that example it would have been such a better metaphor as well for the actual you know the the, the, the grief and the depression the anxiety yeah. and the struggle she had I think beside that example I think it is that she, they're, they're sharing a delusion I don't think that 
the Babadook exists. Even that would have been better, I feel, if it had been a, a, a shared real delusion that had made him. Like, because obviously there's, it, there's things that she does because of that kid's, kid's like, behaviour. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And well, because um, I, I don't, I honestly think that the Babadook doesn't have any physical effect in this film. So when she goes to try and get her boy and he goes up the stairs or hits against the wall, I think, in my interpretation, she's doing that. And at no point does the Babadook cut them or hurt them. Really, all the pain that's inflicted is by her or him. So I do actually think that he is just a manifestation of their psyche. Uh, it's just that, that I think you're right, it would have been good if we could see... You know how in the in the um, police station we see her hands are sort of um, all sort of charred, not charred, but sooty from from burning the book. If there was yeah. some, if there was some clue that she was the one that maybe if there's glue on her hands or something from gluing the book back together, yeah. or something like that. I do think that would have been quite a good. Search. Or I could have even bought it that it was her colleague at work because mm. that's like a storyline that literally goes nowhere. <laughs> it does, but I think I think really it, it ends end. when her son is psychotic in front of the man. It's a case of like she can't even move on into a new relationship because she's a single mum with a yeah. problem child, you know. Um, but it would have been cool if it had turned out when she's like, someone's stalking me? And it's like, yeah, somebody actually is stalking me. That would be a completely you know, know. different film, though, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be in keeping yeah, with the grief yeah, stuff. That would just be like, you know, a weird stalker guy. <laughs> that would be a completely different film, I think. But it could. But it would at least. It, I don't know. I just. I can. I, I do struggle with this sort of. Oh, it's a scary monster yeah. stuff. I always have. And. Um, but what do you think about that? Do you think that actually the Babadook is real? In that in the <sighs> film universe. Well, what did she do? Drink a pint of ink. Well, I you mean know? that. Did, she t- did the kid force feed her ink? Where did he get ink from? <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, the, the colour of it could be a delusion, a hallucination. Yeah. You know, she's just vomiting. Yeah, but then you just, but then you, but then you're just, you're making excuses for it now, you know? No, I, I think it, I think it fits. I do think it fits that it's not actually real and they're both well, sharing this hallucination. We're going we're gonna to have to agree to disagree. Listener, yeah. what do you I, think? I, Listener, get in touch with us on yeah. Twitter at, at PleaseWatchPod. Do you think the Babadook is actually idea. real in the universe? I think it's still a horror film in, of the classical sense that there is something there mm-hmm. and the fact that it's still there at the end and they're kind of having to manage it. I mean, imagine trying to sell that place. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a spacious uh, two-bedroom uh, <laughs> terrace house, I think. Shared tenancy. Uh, garden. <laughs> yeah. Keeps himself yeah. to himself. Uh, <laughs> but will terrify you and your children during the night. Yeah. May try to get you to murder your offspring, but uh, he doesn't um, just doesn't eat. So yes. except worms. So yeah. So you know, low maintenance. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need much heating. You know, it's utilities yeah. is basically all, all new. If yeah. if I was being kind, I would I would read it as it's all in her head yeah. to a point, and it's sort of. You know, I can buy that the thing's driving her crazy and making her want to kill her son and he has to defend himself and he's trying to protect his mother and all this. Um, and, you know, he's... I, I, there is still the tropes of, like, the kid can see the Babadook before the mother can see it. That really annoyed me. Um, he is one. Does he eat... Animals does he always actually, see this shit. Yeah, true. Does he ever actually uh, see the book after it comes back? No, I don't, I think, don't he does. think he does. And I think that no. could easily be in her mind. Because be, nobody does. Be. She doesn't show it to anybody. Yeah, and she has no proof of it. Yeah. The, and and like, I don't think I'm I almost half expected there. it to come I, back again. I don't think that's making excuses for the film. I think that's genuinely a, a valid interpretation there, of the film. There, there's, there's, there's lines, isn't there? I think there's some excuses that you can make for it. And then there's some things where you go, yeah, this is in her head. Yeah. Like, like a lot of her dreams are obviously... You know, they have the dream sequences, and they're clearly, obviously, they're obviously there in her head because she's dreaming. Yeah. But you know, where that line between dream and reality, as an audience, you know, she's an unreliable narrator. Essentially, yeah, because when say the Department of Community Services guys come in, we for the first time see her kitchen from a objective pair of eyes. It's a fucking state. But from when yeah. when we're in her perspective, it's not. There's a really good Ryan Reynolds film called The Voices that I might get you to watch at some point that, that oh, right. deals with that similarly. You know, that actually, when you actually yeah. get to see a surrounding not from uh, a I mean, political character's so, point of view. I mean, I suppose at that point, I just assumed that she was going, she, it kind of, there was like a jump in time, you know, forward like 10, 20 minutes or something, mm. rather than it was, 
everything was nice and tidy and then all of a sudden but I can see how you could be like oh well maybe she she put the glass in the soup or whatever they were eating yeah yeah it was a odd you know? moment that wasn't it or you could even see it from the point of view of they like you said they're both going a bit mad and they're both doing things to each other if that yeah because we see you know she she thinks he's stabbed on the sofa and then when she actually comes to he's terrified because the knife's in her hand and then you know the next thing she knows he's not there and I think clearly like you say it's an unreliable narrator so I think it is very valid to suggest that all the stuff that seems like it's external could very easily be internal however Sam Mm. I am going to be honest with you I did find it quite boring Mm. and if I hadn't had to watch it if I'd put this film on and started watching it and got in about four, half an hour, 45 minutes, I think I would have turned it off because right. I was bored. Is that because it's sort of one uh, house, it's very samey, nights draw on a bit too I long? Just, I just felt like... I just felt like it was... Um, it was a supernatural horror rather than a psychological thriller. Mm. Like, obviously, there was a psychological element to it and, you know, all the good things I've said about it. And I can see why people... It's one of those films where I can see why people like it. Yeah. You know, a bit like you last week with Malcolm X, like, you're like, did you enjoy this film? Not really, Mm. but I can see why it's... You know, why people still watch it or why people like it. With this, I'm a bit like... If I hadn't been made to watch it for the podcast, I would would have turned it off. Interesting. Yeah, because... It was still too much of a, or at least it was presented that way as it's it's not all in a head and it's actually there's a real sort of manifestation. I would personally love it if you could edit it so it is all in her head, but not in a it's all a dream. Yeah. But it was like she's imagining things, and then you can show, you know, if you could do that way, you see it from a different point of view, or you see it from yeah. the kid's point of view every now and then, and you see her just going mad. And I do think that's, kid, that's definitely quite and, consistent, I think, with... Or could you... Sorry, but you could almost say, like, you know, the, the kid's manifesting his mother's madness into a figure called the Babadook, mm. if that makes sense. And you could have her have bought the book, and she's the one, like I said, she's kind of schizophrenic, so she's she's thinks she's thrown it out, but she's actually doing more and stuff like yeah, that. And you see yeah. like, little bits of cuttings and all this. But it's, I mean, the book itself is pretty cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. I want I want that. And apparently they did make some um, that you could buy. And and I think that is that is very consistent with your general taste in films. And, and I mean this more of a difference of opinion rather than a, a judgment, which is I think you prefer slightly more um, literal and, and straightforward, like this film is all in her head rather than a film that leaves you unsure and having to basically decide for yourself and I do think you prefer something well I don't mind a film that makes you have to interpret yourself like you know we watched Primer and Primer a lot of that is you trying to figure it all out the difference with Primer I still find myself the difference with Primer is it's like a maths problem it's not like a a painting where you're like oh I wonder what this is is, this is still but this is still a problem to try to work out where where the delusions start and the yes, but like I say, I think I think you'd prefer one where actually there is a sort of definitive. Begins. Okay, so this yeah, is probably. in the head, and like I say, it's not a criticism. It's just I think that is probably yeah your your taste. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> although uh, speaking of primer, there is still times where I'll just stare into space and be like. Well, how did you do? <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm thinking about primer again. Yeah, and, uh, is it Aaron two or oh, Aaron three? Yeah, is it? Oh, not again. <laughs> but again, that's a that's a different thing. Hours, we've talked about it before as well. Last like, year wasted. We, we've talked about it before. Minutes here and there. The the idea of, and I think you might have used primer as the example as well. Uh, you know, films where you, there just is not a logical canonical. This is the correct thing. A sort of David Lynch sort of film where it's actually not solved on the page. You know, Inception is tricky and puzzling, but it's not so ambiguous as to be a, like a painting that you have to figure out for yourself what the artist intended. It's more like a puzzle to follow, and then you can have your own, obviously, your own opinion on the last moment of Inception, but generally it's presented as a logical puzzle. You know, whereas I think mm. this film isn't, and I think that, that might be, yeah, absolutely valid taste, point of view. Any any I other points? It's how you interpret it, I, I guess. Yeah, like I interpreted it as this was, it was a supernatural horror with these major themes woven into it yeah. that worked. I think they completely worked for this film. But did I enjoy it? 
Not really. Was I bored? Yes. Is it a bad film? No. I can appreciate a film I didn't enjoy. Yeah. But I just... But And, you know, I, if someone... Like, if someone said to me, oh, The Babadook's a good film, I'd be like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Technically, it is a good film. Mm. Did I... You just didn't enjoy me, it. Uh, and again, it's fair enough. It happens a lot, doesn't it, really, yeah. on our show? It's I think this is going to be the... Appreciate uh, not to spoil it, but I think this is going to be the first film where I would actually recommend it, but I didn't really <laughs> That's funny. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. If somebody likes yeah. horror films, you'll be like, oh, then you'll probably like this. Yeah. yeah. But I well, didn't just, really. <laughs> no, even films in general, you can still like Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, fair but, um, Let's see then, I, I, uh, were there any scenes that you liked? So, uh, favourite scene here, which one didn't want you to say? Oh, so for this, I put down... Yeah, the end bit where she just tells the Babadook to... Where she finds her strength of voice. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that is, is an effective scene. Um, I did enjoy that. Um, oh, by the way, something that I want... Just little things I noticed. Like, you were saying... Uh, things that I didn't like like Samuel I, I, there is a part of this film where you just I did want them both to yeah. die <laughs> and that's awful I know it's a horror but it was a horror film and I was like oh they could just kill them both <laughs> and the bit where she's choking him I'm like oh they still finished the like job 15, yeah. minutes 15 minutes left of this film she's not going to kill him I did wonder how they were going to resolve that mm. um, and also what a shit sister yeah she awful. is the worst and that's it it's, you know again it's um she doesn't have that social support that she needs, and she's or she's yeah. and she's unwilling to accept it when it when it comes around with flowers and uh, chocolates and a and a board game. Yeah. So yeah, so if it, I think that is a good scene. She gets a bit. There's two moments where she gets a bit catsalated from EastEnders. There's I am your mother, and and there's, <laughs> if you come near my if you hurt my son again, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she basically goes cockney there. It's quite a powerful moment. Yeah, but, I did. Yeah. I did wonder what she was going to kill. Yeah, <laughs> like yes, you try and kill that. Ethereal spirit being She's sort of thing. talking to her own Good luck with psychosis that. there, isn't she? I suppose. But she doesn't want it to hurt her family. I, I like that scene a lot as well, actually. And I find it hard to, to narrow down, I suppose, because a lot of scenes bleed into each other in a way that yeah. you don't see in many films, you know, whether it's night turning into day and vice versa, or they're just they're in the house a lot of the time. So there's not the sort of delineation of scenes that you get in most films. So it's like, now we're going to the cafe. You can break it down into bits. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it does have scenes, but. Did you have a different scene to myself? Uh, yeah, I like two, really. I, I really, and I've mentioned it already, when the Department of Community Services lads come around and. Uh, see the place as it is you know I thought that was really striking because that's a that's a real yeah it's almost I guess it's a twist of sorts it's the real first moment where you're like this is happening in her head and that's different to how everyone else is seeing it and linked to that when she's watching TV and going mad and she's imagining Samuel dead on the sofa and then she gets up to sort of be like, oh my God. And then he's scared and she's got the knife in her hands. It's where Those it really TV unravels. scenes are good. Those yeah. little montages. Yeah. I have to say, they were... And the one when she's watching the one about the woman in America killing her, her yeah. son or whatever on the birthday and she sees herself in the window. Absolutely. And, and she's like that. Yeah. And she's pretty <laughs> terrifying. Uh, and that is, you know, that is that is very affecting. Uh, favourite lines? Do you have a favourite line? I will I'll just I will give an honourable mention to the bit when she's sat in the chair and she look or she's washing up and she looks at her neighbour yeah. uh, watching TV and then the Babadook stood in the doorway at the back. That was yeah. that was very good. I did yeah. enjoy that. That's the sort of jump scare I, I, of this film, isn't it? That, those kind of. Jump I scares. actually I actually missed it because right. um, I was, I didn't see it and it was only when she broke the plate and I I had to rewind. Oh, I see. Because it's like, quite subtle. The same with when she goes to the police station, yeah. isn't it? Those I like that level of jump scare as opposed to yeah. oh no the thing is in the center of the screen and blah you know yeah blinking you might miss it sort of jump scare yeah but they they yeah, yeah. very very loud although I have to say that yeah. those police were terrible yeah they just let her go it's like hang on this woman is yeah. clearly either a threat to herself or is being threatened anyone around her yeah <laughs> and yeah that's that kind of again that's that horror trope of you know people in authority who should help fail miserably yeah. <laughs> yeah and again she doesn't have the support she needs you know she really needs somebody right there a family member yeah and why is there like the Babadook's outfit in the in the actual police station she's like surely she'd be like why do you have that well there? again that's <laughs> that's clearly just a coat on her thing and she makes you see yeah. the rest I mean I've done that before you've probably done it as well people, and people listening you've probably done this where you've been sleeping half asleep maybe some form of sleep paralysis oh, yeah. and you see a dressing gown on the back of the door and suddenly it is the Babadook or you know oh, a hooded figure I think that's I've what that good, is in my perspective I've got a great one for you about seven years ago I was like laid in bed and um, 
at my mum's old house and she'd had some wallpaper put in in my old bedroom so I'd come back from uni and I was late I was asleep and the pattern was like a tree pattern mm. uh, but it was like silver and black and I it was about two three in the morning and I kind of woke up and looked because the bed was against the back of this wall so the bedboard was against the back of these this pattern and I looked up and in my because it was like sharp jagged angular lines it looked like someone holding a knife above <laughs> me and I popped up and didn't get to sleep so for imagine you're going through a, a psychotic half. episode that you'd, you'd just, see that I was half asleep half dreaming that's it and I think that's what it is at the police station I think it's clearly just a black coat and and you will see the Babadook around now that you've seen this film when you're sort of like looking at a, a hat rack somewhere is it, in, is it in more scenes than you realise and you just don't I see keep, it because they don't I, focus there were lots it. of times where I was like okay this feels like an opportunity where the Babadook must be in the background and I couldn't see it in those but I felt that I felt that but it is it, it might be in one or two more than you th- realise but I think the the principal two are the police station and when she's looking through the window. Um do you have a favourite line? Uh it was um uh you are nothing, you're nothing, this is my house, you are trespassing in my house. If you touch my son again I'll fucking kill yeah. you. <laughs> you said it was very cat's later, but it, I just found it really funny. Yeah. And the other but the other one that I really liked actually no, you do yours in case I've stealing well, you. The thing I liked about the line you've mentioned was that uh, it came a part where the house felt to me like um um a metaphor or a stand in for her mind. And so she's putting all this stuff in the basement, her grief's down in the basement, and she's telling the Babadook her grief, you're trespassing in my house basically, get get down to the basement, like get out of it. Um, that was just a, that was, that's what struck me when I watched it yesterday. Um, there was a few, a few I liked actually, but there was a moment, the, uh, the Shining has been cited as an influence for this, you know, in terms of slowly going mad, and the moment that really reminded me of The Shining was when she's fully demonic, she kicks the door down, and then she's uh, he pees himself as she kind of, uh, you mm. know, floats over to him, and she oh yeah, she starts to yeah. sort of like mock him, saying, "I just want you to be happy." And then he says, she says this thing that Jack Torrance almost word for word says when he's got the baseball bat. Sometimes I just want to smash your head against the brick wall until your fucking brains pop out, you know. And that is very, very reminiscent of of his his threats, basically. Yeah, to, to yeah. Let's character. let's talk about the two bits that I found I did struggle with. So that bit at the beginning when he hugs her and she's like, she freaks out. What's that all about? I mean, I don't know. Have you seen an explanation for that? No, except just my, my interpretations. I, of I, I rewound it to see if he was doing something. Did he, like, grab her or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did he pull a hair or something? Mm. Or something weird, weirder or stranger? But no, he just gives her a I, big squeeze. I saw it, like honestly, a as a symptom of her psychosis, whatever that is. And so, um, yeah, I was reminded at the time, because I'd only recently taught that theory that schizophrenic parents or parents of schizophrenic people often dealt with people in very contrasting ways where they're actually really nice in what they say but not very nice in how they act and I think another one is she's I think got this thing about intimacy you know since her husband died I don't think she likes it so I don't I don't think she liked it when he when he hugged her so close um that was my interpretation of it fair enough fair enough um yeah, uh, something I meant to mention, I've not, I forgot to mention earlier, was the only thing that really took it out, took me out of the film, was they used a sound effect for like when she was being possessed by the Babadook, mm. like a screaming noise, and I think it was taken like out of a film or a computer yeah, game. Yeah, quite a few sound effects from video games. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, and that it was like a weird, like I'm sure I heard it on like a, uh, like a lizard like a velociraptor or something <laughs> noise and it just re- it sounded really dumb is it um, when she's on it, the it, basement it, floor I think she does it in the basement I think she does it when she chases after him right um, yeah some sort of guttural yeah, it's a very dis- guttural thing yeah I, I yeah. really like the sounds I, re- I really like them it, it, maybe if you'd recognise the specific you know if she made like if she said it's, just, it's, it's a sound me, effect Mario, that's been I in might other, think, okay that's you know <laughs> yeah I think it's a sound effect that's been in other films right. and TV shows and games or whatever um, oh, yeah if, you, if I played it for you you'd, you'd know which one I was on about yeah, yeah but there's, I, I think for me anyway it kind of matches that the guttural thing and it's very exorcist and so on isn't it well it was a bit for me it was almost like the um, what's that scream oh, the Wilhelm scream that, yeah it was like the it Wilhelm took you out because you'd heard it so many times yeah. before oh, that's fair enough yeah. that's fair enough that's a, that's a shame that but that's fair enough um, favourite shot did you have a favourite shot 
I went with so you know right at the beginning when she's dreaming about the car accident mm. and then she like imagines she, she like you get an over the head shot of her right. in the bed but she's above the bed yeah 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 that was really cool and they did it again I think later on in the film but, that's right yeah it's a great it transition really, isn't it yeah it's very very good because she kind of drops into the bed doesn't she I think yeah yeah to go from that car crash into bed uh, like you said later it sets the tone for the film as well doesn't it. Mm. Um, yeah, you. What was your favourite shot? Well, it was a really well shot film, and I really like the kind of horror shots. Like you've mentioned, the two Babadook kind of reveals the face in the window was the one that really I remembered very strikingly from this film. Even though it's been a, it's been a minute since I've seen it, um, and I really like it's grotesquely co- comically horrific when she's kicking the door down. She grabs onto the door frame and like powerful kicks you know it's got like swings yeah it's got this sort of demonic possession strength kind of thing where you go wow okay this is you know that is psychosis and it's not actually happening or it's given to that strength or whatever you want to read into it I thought that was a really grotesquely horrific crazy people strength (laughs) yeah it it was it added an extra layer and that was very exorcist I thought as well Um, but I do think think really well shot I think there's lots of shots of this film that I'd happily have as a poster Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's um, that's the stuff, really. So we're going to go for a little break. You, um, when we come back, we're going to get critical response. We're going to get Hughes rating out of ten, and we're going to have a little quiz. So join us after the break. Hello, and welcome back to the final part of Please Watch This, Hugh. Do you know critically how this film did? Well, I know Kermode liked it, but beyond that, I've no idea. It did exceptionally well. Um, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 98%, which means people at least like it more than dislike it, and 86% on Metacritic, so a very well-regarded film, and I think well-regarded amongst horror aficionados because it's not another one of them films. Uh, William Friedkin, famously directed The Exorcist, said, "It's I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. And yeah, Mark Kermode put it as his favourite film of 2014 and listed it as his eighth favourite film of the decade. So he really mm. loved it. Kim Newman of Empire and long-term collaborator of Mark Kermode uh, said one of the strongest, most effective horror films of recent years with awards quality lead from uh, work from Essie Davis and a brilliantly designed new monster who could well become the breakout spook archetype of the decade. And he's very, he's a very um, iconic uh, character, the Babadook, and an LGBT icon, <laughs> LGBTQT yes. icon, as in the or all that. Yeah, I read that, yeah, because they mislabeled it on Netflix or something. Yeah, but people have actually made sort of queer uh, uh, kind of interpretations of the character, which is just fantastic. Like a rainbow version of the Babadook. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, or they've just, they've, they've interpreted him as being actually quite quite fabulous uh, essentially <laughs> is, is so he goes from being hello Dave to being oh, I'm a cockney I'm the coming the new Lady Gaga yeah <laughs> yeah um, now as a, do you like Babadook's boy slightly less uh, but still quite favourable re- review from Roger Moore presumably not that one because <laughs> I don't know if it was, it was I think he was still alive he was still at the time, alive. but it's definitely not that it's Roger Moore birthday today apparently is it happy birthday not on the Roger day of Moore. Release, but a few days ago, yeah. So he um, he's dead now, though. Sam, so that that's a birthday wish that'll fall on deaf ears. I'm afraid. Sorry to quite literally death, death ears, death ears. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. So he listed a few sort of moments in the film, and he said all of which push the film into that outstays its welcome zone. Too many nights and days of dealing with this threat, the menace growing more real with every horror movie Amelia flips by on TV. It's simply not consequential enough to withstand this repetition. But he was still quite um, praiseworthy of the film, praising of the film. He just had that little, little moment that he didn't love it. All this leads me to say, though, Hugh, the most important critic in our lives, Hugh Dempsey, uh, how many things in my hands, things in my hands, would you give this film out of ten? I think I might like rate this in two ways. I think yeah. for me personally, it's like a four or five because mm-hmm. I just I got bored. I was bored, and I, I w- if I could have turned it off, I would have. Yeah. But as a film, and I can see I can see why people like it. So it's like a seven, or yeah. a, you know, for that sort of that sort of area because I can see the appeal of it. You know, if you, if you were a horror film fan, I can see why you like this film so much. 
Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I mean, you've, you've justified yourself well there, Hugh. I won't get too angry to your face. Uh, onto the quiz, then. Let's see if no, you No, I'm specifically it. disliking it because you recommended it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very much been a, a theme uh, of the show. So, uh, question number one. How old is Samuel at the beginning of the film? He's six. Six years old. Um, there's some easy questions and some hard questions here. I've mixed it up. Okay. There's very few middling questions. Okay. Um, in the book, when the Babadook is peering down at the boy in the bed, he's saying something in a speech bubble that's not part of the story. What does he say? Uh, he says, Do you like eels, boy? <laughs> I've no idea. He says, Let me in. Oh, oh yeah, you know, so it's it like goes, I did read that, damn it. Yeah, I knew, I knew you'd kick yourself on that one. Uh, question three, what are the names of the workers from the Department of the Commun- of Community Services? One's Prue. Yeah. And the other one... I'll give you a clue. He lives with rabbits in their home. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant... <laughs> um, where do rabbits live? Oh. They live in a what... Hutch, <laughs> Warren. The Warren, Warren, there you Warren. go, Prue and Warren of the uh, Warren, the of course. Warren's a very Australian name, isn't it? Warren, yeah. yeah. Um, Warren. This Can is I another have... tricky one for you. What school does Samuel attend? Primary. <laughs> uh, Babbage Brook. Babbage no, Brook. I never. You, I could have watched that film six times <laughs> still when I got that question right. And question five: What is Amelia's dead husband's name? Is it Robbie? Nope. You're just thinking of Australian names there. Somebody in the film's called Robbie. I think that's the guy she's <laughs> that's into. That's the, yeah, the fantasy Oh, the guy who's into it. Uh, oh, is it Ryan? <laughs> it doesn't begin with R. <laughs> it doesn't begin with R. Good, right, okay. We've narrowed it down to 25 of the letters. Uh, is it Xenophon? <laughs> no, it's not. It's Oscar. Oscar. Oscar is with, it? With a K. Interesting, interesting fact. And then as a bonus question, when she's calling out the bingo numbers, she she calls out a number that can't that can't be one of them. What does she call out? Is it a billion? Five billion. Five billion. <laughs> she's just yeah, I did like that bit. Yeah, great stuff. I, I, well, I, one of my yeah. favourite lines I forgot to mention was um, when. Uh, Prue introduces herself and says, I'm Prue and this is Warren. How are you? And Tommy goes, I'm a bit tired from the drugs mum gave me. <laughs> you went very Irish there. Yeah, that is a Did great I? Line. I was meant yeah. to be Australian, so that was a big <laughs> fail. So, in all, you would recommend it to people, but you'd never watch it again. Um, which leads me, I guess, to question your recommendation, mate. If mine aren't so great, what are we going to watch next week? Is it, mate? Mm. Uh, so, Sam... Next week we are going to. He says filling time because he can't remember what we're going to watch next week. Woman in black. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to edit this out. <laughs> so, 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 Sam, next week, because uh, I thought you had seen this, and I was th- I actually thought about this film whilst we were watching the film, um, and I was like, oh, what was the last horror film that I thought was good? And it turned out the last horror film that I thought was good was, other than Midsummer and The Thing, to be fair, since we watched, but before I started this podcast, um, was The Woman in Black, the mm. Daniel Radcliffe film, which I was surprised you hadn't seen. I saw it at the cinema, strangely enough, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, quite frankly, I thought it was it was much better than it had any right to be. So it, it'll get us real, really into that Halloween feeling. I think watching the woman in black, and I think I think I think you'll see it for what it is. Right. You know, it is it is B movie schlock, but okay. it's good B movie schlock, and I think you'll enjoy it. I don't know much about it. I, I did gothic as a, a theme at A level, and we were sort of encouraged to read gothic novels. And I know some of my classmates read the woman in black. I read The Monk and a few others uh, and never got around to reading it. I remember at the time, obviously, it was a big thing because Daniel Radcliffe, sort of hot off Harry Potter, was playing this film where he's a man. I think he's like a widow. Um, so he's playing a man well, well a beyond widower. his age. <laughs> uh, well, a widower, yeah, absolutely. Um, well beyond his age. And I think it's something like 
he's a lawyer who visits a house or inherits yeah. a house or something like that and it's probably like haunted that, yeah. so yeah, I, yeah. I, I've got to be honest I'm not massively looking forward to it um, but I'm willing to well I mean I wouldn't be recommended it if you hadn't shackled us to we have to do three horror <laughs> films and I have to recommend one you know it'd have been very much down on the list you know we'd have been doing this for ten years before we got to it but <laughs> you said we have to do horror so I, d- I gave you something. about a hundred options to be fair but you know when I looked through that list I hadn't seen any of them I gave you about four <laughs> options <laughs> and this is the one you've gone for so Fantastic. yes so, so I know it's going to be at least better than Zombieland 2 double tap that's the bar that's the bar but a very different film I would (laughs) you know um, all that remains to be asked actually of you Hugh is if they want to get in touch with us and tell us uh, their theories on whether the Babadook is real in the film universe why uh, why he's such a gay icon and what they think of uh, the woman in black how could they do it uh, so what they need to do is they need to be in a car accident, preferably with their spouse. Mm. Uh, and, you know, they, they don't have to die, but it would help in this regard. Right. Well, and the, then, the listener or their spouse? The spouse, obviously, because right, 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 right. the listener, then they won't be able to email us with the sound. God, think yeah. about it. Logically, Sam. Come yeah, on. but Oscar's there in the basement, isn't he? Could probably get yeah. DS. But anyway, you know, like so, yeah, so then, and then about six years later... Preferably maybe at a kid's birthday party. Mm. Maybe sneak away and, you know, use a laptop or a phone or a computer. Because the, the birthday girls, yeah. girls has been broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. By your kids specifically, because yeah. the birthday girl's a little bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if you could, um, yeah, email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. And if you can think of a more efficient way, Sam, I'm always... <laughs> Well, if they listen to this podcast, they've probably got an internet service provider. So if they just get on to Twitter, they can get in touch with us at Please Watch Pod. Yeah, I think that would be sufficient as well. Yeah, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> yeah, one's more long term, isn't it? It's, you know, we might get the email in six years from now. Show you, show some commitment, listener. All right, well, yeah. uh, we'll talk at you next week. It's been a pleasure, Hugh, as always. Listener, we love you. Bye. Bye.